Hi, I'm Wendy Francis, nutrition therapist, emotional eating expert, and entrepreneur. I've helped countless people overcome their obsession with food and weight. Isn't it time you overcame what you had become and ignite who you were meant to be? Your time to become an overcomer starts now. Thanks again for joining me for another episode of Overcoming Emotional Eating. Connecting. Connecting with ourselves, with other people. It's a core source of what we need in order to feel whole and healthy. In this episode, I'm on a live pre-recorded line talking with a client about reconnecting back to herself. Take a listen and keep on overcoming. Anybody, any questions, comments, or things that I can help with tonight? Yeah. Yeah. This is um, I've been, you made so much sense tonight. It's like, it's me in and out. I've been going through, I put like five pounds back on. I've been going through some difficult times. I was dealing with cancer last year and I've been having some issues and um, they claim that I don't have cancer back, but I'll find out for sure March 8th. Mm. And my sister's not good. She's more or less like, you might just say dying every single day. Mm. And it's just like overwhelming for our family. And I put, like I said, five pounds back on and I just want to go for chocolate. Mm. Like, just eat. And mm-hmm. when I eat it, I'm like, I should be doing this, but I have to do it to make myself feel good. Got it. So instead of say I shouldn't do it, could, could, you, could you put that on a shelf for a minute? The shouldn't. Okay. Okay. What's the purpose of saying I shouldn't be doing this? Because I don't want to put the weight back on and I want to keep my health going the way it is. Mm-hmm. And not, so I, I lost 25 pounds and I don't want to keep creeping up. Got it. Yeah, I get it. So, so typically speaking, in general, when people tell you you shouldn't do something, do you not do it? Sometimes I'll do it for spite. Okay. So when you tell yourself you shouldn't do something, I wonder if you're not doing the same thing. I could be. So that's one component. Huh? I said, I've been under so much stress. I I don't know what to do sometimes anymore. And and I don't know either. um, But that's why I said, let's put it on a shelf for a minute. Because what it does is it muddy the waters. You are dealing with a tremendous amount of stress and grief and fear and maybe frustration and lots of other emotions. So I, I definitely could see why you might be craving chocolate. But you see, when we bring the shouldn't into it, it muddies the water. Because then sometimes we're eating just because we shouldn't be doing it. And it has nothing to do with quelling the emotion that we might be feeling. So if we take the shouldn't and we just put it to the side and we go, yeah, like you're totally justified in craving chocolate. You to- I mean, from what you just told me, and I'm not living your life. I'm just, I just heard like three minutes or two minutes, whatever it was, of a snapshot. I could totally get how you are craving chocolate. 
So let's just say you're justified in the craving. It's okay to crave. And with what emotions do you crave chocolate? Just about everything. It could be like my niece will call me, oh, my mom went back to the hospital and that's my sister, you know, and it's like, or I get a phone call like saying, oh, my doctor wants to see me because this isn't right, you know. It's like, it just seems like every time I try to jump ahead, I get another slap in the face and I, you know, it seems like it's hard to get back on track again. Like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like overwhelming sometimes. Mm-hmm. A lot. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, that would make sense. Listen, that would make sense to me. And you said initially that every emotion makes me crave chocolate. But the truth is the examples you gave to me were examples of fear, worry, concern. Those are, those are not every emotion. The reason why I'm getting real specific is because for you, it might be really important to recognize which specific emotions make you crave chocolate. Because things are overwhelming, it sounds like, from what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And it would make sense that you would crave something to help with that. In what other ways do you process and or help yourself in times of fear, worry, or distress? I, I try to do, like I like doing craft stuff, so sometimes I try to do that to keep my mind occupied so it's not out there wondering and thinking and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Got it. So I Good. What do, else? I try to do that. Sometimes mm-hmm. I try to get back on my treadmill and my um, exercise bike. Oh, I've been, mm-hmm. I've been, I did that today. I did the treadmill today. So that was a plus for me. Does that help you with fear, worry, or distress? Yeah, because I have the TV on and I'm watching the TV and I'm not like thinking. Okay. So it's a, it's a distraction. Yeah. So, and, and that's why I'm making that distinction. Okay. Because here's what happens. We think we're dealing with our emotions when we're distracting from them. And they're two very separate things. There's nothing wrong with using distraction when emotions get overwhelming. So don't get me wrong. The problem is, is if you never sit with your emotions, really sit with them and let them rise and fall like they normally would, then we have to always use some kind of distraction and food falls into that category. Oh, that makes sense. Because you're going through so many emotions, and I, and like I said, when we are going through a hard time, you know, when somebody's in an overwhelming tornado like you are, and I totally understand that, that it is important to use moments of distraction so that things don't rise so high that they're unmanageable. But it's also important that you sit sometimes and just feel. And whether that's feeling while you're sitting outside in the grass. I don't know where you live and how cold it is, but, or whether you're, <laughs> yeah, okay. so maybe sitting inside by a fireplace, you know, that that maybe that's more of where you are in the world, but sitting inside by a fireplace, really just staring into the fire so that you can allow yourself, you know, we can use nature as a prop to help ourselves connect to our feelings. That's what sunsets do for me. Fires can do it. Water can do it for many people. Sand can do it. 
there's lots of different ways to connect to our emotions. And so allowing yourself journaling for some people helps in connecting to emotion, painting or drawing can help connect into emotion. So you may, because you like crafting, you know, and using your hands, maybe drawing how you feel would be a way to connect into your emotions and be able to sit with them a little bit. Yeah, I know one thing. I don't like, maybe I should do this too. I don't know. But I, 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 maybe I should just sit down and just cry it out. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, maybe, maybe you I, should, I, I, but I, I don't think we. Huh. Right, but I don't think we should. You should because you don't want to use should because you don't like should. And I don't like should. But do you hear how the language is? Yeah. Right? And so I'm just wanting to recognize that. Because what I would say is, I wonder what it would be like for you just to sit down quietly with yourself for 15 minutes. Set your timer. We're not, because we're not used to doing this, right? For many of us, like just sitting quietly for 15 minutes, you're like, "What, what do I do, Wendy? I'm like, just sit and set a timer if you need to. But I wonder what would come up for you, if you just sat for 15 minutes without an agenda of crying, without an agenda of distracting, just to connect to yourself through this tornado that you're walking through. Because when I see that, then my vision becomes, I don't even know you, but seeing a woman walking strongly through a tornado with her feet fully formed on the ground and a tornadic wind just swirling around you is how I want you to be through this time period. And when we don't connect to ourselves, we will use every element that's in that tornado. Food, for some people it's alcohol. I'm not saying that's true for you, but you know, for other people it's you know, other things that are excessive or easy to, you know, manipulate or distract people out of the moment emotionally. And so, you know, what we want to do is use those times to create connection. And so if you every day just take 15 minutes and begin to sit quietly, just to see what comes up, to get your feet on the ground again. Hmm? I said, I have to give that, I'm I'm not... I'm going to give that a try. Nice. Good. I want you to because I think and I I will tell you, recognize when you say should and shouldn't to yourself because it's in your language a lot. And that language will disenable you to heal because of your reaction to should. And your reaction is very common. Trust me, I have the same reaction. Somebody tells me I should do something. I'm like, why? Like, why, why, why should I do that? So just recognizing that you really want to catch those shoulds and turn them into curiosity and turn them into just being interested in getting to know yourself through this tornado so that you can stay connected to you. All right. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. That was a great question. And I am really sorry for everything that you're going through. It does sound like a very difficult time period. I hope that everything turns out okay for you. 
Thank you. Yeah, I will be thinking about you. Absolutely. Anybody else, other questions, comments, or things I can help with tonight? Wendy, I just kind of have a comment on the current topic. Mm -hmm. um, so when you said distraction in the short term isn't necessarily bad because mm -hmm. it can bring down the level of stress or, mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. So would like I, I'm, I'm kind of a chocoholic too when I'm stressed. Mm -hmm. So I have some emergency bars of the Lily's chocolate. Does mm -hmm. that help alleviate? I mean, is that, should you go for the real thing? Because I like Lily's, but let's face it, it's not the real thing. Um, <laughs> I mean, would that help at all to feel a little better? better about being distracted am i making sense you are you're making you are making sense first and foremost when you get off the phone tonight i need you to never call yourself a chocoholic again because it's an identity and it's a label and you will live unto that label i promise you you're not a chocoholic there's nothing in it that makes it addictive. It's the emotional component behind it. And I'm only bringing that up because when I hear people label themselves, I know you disempower your ability to put the chocolate down. Okay. Does that make sense? So I really want you to just understand that, like, when we label ourselves, or sometimes other people label us, right? Like, oh, you're a chocoholic, or, you know, oh, you're a whatever. And sometimes kids are labeled uh, as well. And those labels disempower us from doing anything different. So if you see the chocolate in front of you and you've labeled yourself a chocoholic, it's awful hard to walk by that chocolate bar because that's your label, whether you want it or not. So I want you to really, really reframe that for yourself. You like chocolate. Okay, cool. I get it. Doesn't mean you're a chocoholic. In that, before you even ate chocolate, just based on what I'm hearing, right? Before you even went to go eat chocolate, I'm wondering what you actually feel emotionally. Oh, Do you well, know? Oh, uh, I have not analyzed it. I've, I've, I haven't thought about it. I haven't had to go to chocolate recently. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Since I've been since I've started the program and I've started listening to you, I haven't had to I haven't had the awareness I haven't had the opportunity to analyze that. Got it. Which is a good Right. Right. It is a good thing. And so therein lies what I would do first. Like before I gave you the go ahead on should you do real chocolate or lilies or Godiva or, you know, whatever. <laughs> because one, when people have that label of being a chocoholic, I always question whether or not some of the eating of chocolate occurred just because of the label. When we identify with a label, we can and do, all of us as human beings, use it as a scapegoat. We just do. It's not just you. It's everybody. So 
I work with many people who just eat the chocolate because they were they're, they just feel like they're addicted to it. I've had many people feel like they're addicted to sugar. They'll come in my office and say, I'm a sugar addict. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that drives that sugar eating, whether you want to or not. Because you labeled yourself as an addict. So recognizing that part would be one thing. And the second thing for me would be, how do you feel emotionally when you want that chocolate? And that could be something, even though you're not in current craving, which is good to hear, right? That that has quelled for right now. But you might be able to go back in your memory bank some of times that you've eaten it if you can connect to emotions. And what we know about our memory is that our memory holds very strong emotions. So if you were to go back to your most prominent memory of eating chocolate, that probably holds the most emotion. And then recognizing what the emotion was in that scene in your brain. We have a scene that we create in our mind of, in memory format, right? Almost comes down like a film a lot of times in our, in our mind, like a movie. So recognizing what that emotion or emotions were will give you some feedback about what that is for you. Because that's the part that needs tending to first. Okay. Okay. Yep. Because if I give you the go ahead, so to speak, (laughs) to eat regular chocolate first lilies or, you know, or something else, here's my thought and theory, just so you know, if a craving becomes so intense, right? Like the gentleman that I was talking about, who's a colleague about his Taco Bell craving, right? Now he, he knows better in a way because he's actually in the therapeutic world and he kept getting this craving for Taco Bell, Taco Bell, Taco Bell, Taco Bell. He didn't go home and try and make the healthy tacos. And conversely, he didn't go home and really try to think about why he was craving Taco Bell. Now, if I would have gotten to him three days before when that craving first started, I would have said, wow, like what's going on? What are you feeling? What, could there be anything about this time of year? Is there something going on professionally, something going on personally? You know, like, how are you feeling emotionally right now? So in any case, it's, it's that same kind of piece for you about learning about those feelings behind that. And if, just like he did, if it got to a point where you just couldn't do anything else, couldn't, whether it be distract, couldn't feel your feelings, couldn't work through it. And then you were, you were very intentionally going to seek out a piece of chocolate. I would tell you to do the real stuff because there isn't any, and, and a piece of small piece of it because there isn't, and do it mindfully so that you actually really get the experience because I've, I've, I've worked with so many clients who then either go for a subset of that kind of food, like a dairy free, gluten free, soy free, blah, blah, free. <laughs> chocolate bar doesn't taste like anything with cardboard and they use that but then the 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 craving for chocolate doesn't really go away either because they haven't served the emotional need and now they haven't served the physical need either right they haven't really served the craving because it just doesn't taste the same so you know the reality is is then it's more about getting that real small piece and then sitting down intentionally and eating it but recognizing i'm doing this because I feel this. There were, so for example, there were, there were times, and I can absolutely remember this, and I, and I used to remember telling clients about this, 
it, my first 18 years of practice, midway through that first 18 years, before I'd had kids, must have been a little bit earlier than that, before I had children, I would see anywhere from 40 to 50 clients a week. I was seeing a lot of clients and a lot of clients who were very sick. And that's what I chose to do because that's how, that's my way of serving the world. And in that, I took a hit because there were certain nights driving home that all I wanted was a hot fudge sundae. That's all I wanted. And I knew it's because I overspent myself energetically through the day in giving to too many people. That was my own fault. But I wanted to help as many people as I could. And so I recognized that. And I did it intentionally. Right? So I, I ate a hot fudge sundae when I got home from work. And I enjoyed it thoroughly. And I knew why I was eating it. Because I had given away too much of me that day. And then I learned, eventually, how many clients I could see and how many clients I could take on who needed how much from me. But to do it intentionally is imperative. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Rate, review, and subscribe. You never know who you'll help become the next overcomer.